Securities and advisory services through Independent Financial Group, LLC, a registered broker-dealer and investment advisor member, FINRASIPC. Good morning, America! How's everybody on this beautiful Saturday morning? In God's country, southeastern Connecticut. Oh, my God, it's a gorgeous day out there. And uh, they said 72, but I'm thinking 82. What do you think, guys? Hope everybody's doing well. My name is Dennis O'Brien. I'm president of O'Brien Retirement Investment Group. We are located at 232 Greenmanville Avenue, down from Stake Loft, exit 90 in Metro Mystic. So hope everybody's doing well. One of the goals and the missions of the show is to help you plan, execute, and enjoy a successful and rewarding Retirement. And when I say retirement, I don't mean it in the traditional sense that many regard as an absence of work. No, no, no. Retirement could be many things, but ultimately it's the freedom to stop working if you choose and to live on your Social Security, pensions, and any returns from savings and IRAs. But to me, it does not mean to stop working if that's what you enjoy doing, either paid in the in the traditional sense, or volunteering. Work is work, but work in retirement can mean taking vacations when you want. Cha-cha-cha. Living and working remotely in another state during the year. Sometimes it means two households, which I've seen among the more affluent, where temporary residences are set up out of state because of job, family, or business obligations there. Planning for retirement is best done when it's automated. Savings, 401k, IRA, prepayments on mortgages and car loans can all help you build up your net worth, which is simply defined as your assets minus your liabilities. That's your net worth. What you own versus what you owe, and that's your net worth. When you come into the office, the first thing I ask you is where your ass- what your assets are and where they are. Your bank savings, collectibles, rentals, your home, your retirement plans, all constitute assets which have value. We take the sum total of these and produce a number which gives a rough approximation of what you own. Then I ask you what you owe, and typically it comprises of a home mortgage. I ask the term, I want to know the rate, and I want to know when this debt payment will expire. This monthly payment, which should include taxes and insurance. If you're prepaying on your mortgage or you have a very low balance or close to retirement, many times I will urge you to take the bank savings to pay off the mortgage. Why do I recommend that? Well, it depends on your situation. I got a hedge, hedge, hedge here, everything I say in your particular situation. But many times, if your payment, say, was $2,200 a month, and we get it paid off, it's like having a $2,200 pension payment added to your retirement because the absence results in the same improved cash flow. So if you don't have to pay it anymore, it's like getting, while you're paying it, another $2,200 coming in. It's a, it's a beautiful swing to the positive in your cash flow. Then I ask you, based on the Retirement Ten Commandments, if no debt is in retirement... That is one of the rules of the Retirement Ten Commandments, and that's why I recommend it very, very strongly, as many of you already know. 
It's a whole different feeling when all your debts are paid off. Now that is what I call freedom, and that is what I call a great retirement. Freedom from the bankers. Freedom from the credit card imposters. Freedom to live as you want to. The way we were meant to, I believe. Sometimes on the debt side, you have car payments or credit card payments. These must be dealt with. And if you need a new car before retirement, we try to plan for that. After all, with this newfound freedom, you might be doing a lot more driving to visit family and friends around the country. And I've seen that too. Now we're talking. Well, sometimes you co-sign on a student loan. That'll never go away unless you and Junior get together and pay it off in a systematic, planned, disciplined payoff. I've done this with several people, and it's really helped cement the relationship with the family. So if you're five years away from retirement and you got a $40,000, I have a situation right now with a $40,000 co- co-signed. Junior's doing okay, started a family, but, you know, the cash isn't there to pay that off. So mom and papa are going to work together, and they're going to get that all paid off in the next two years. And mom and papa are going to help, but it's all going to be organized, and I kind of put everyone together and say, let's tackle this baby, because I don't want you to have any debt when you go into retirement. And Junior's debt has become your debt. So let's deal with it. Let's tackle it, because the house is paid off, no credit cards, car loans will be paid off, or we're going to get a new car now, Get that paid off on an accelerated basis so then you can drive around the country and not worry about things, depending on the car you bought. <laughs> Don't buy the car I have. It's, uh, my, my mechanic is going to retire on what, um, what I pay him. So anyway, if you do co-sign a student loan, remember, that does not go away. So if Junior can't pay it, let's deal with it, and, and you may have to help, but at least we'll have that taken care of. So now, after we have all the debts added up, we take that number and subtract them from the asset number to get your net worth. Net worth is simply the number that your estate had to be settled. If you got hit by a car tomorrow, your estate would be settled based on what the heirs would receive after debts are paid off. Less taxes and lawyer fees, of course. Okay? But here's the key thing, and... Probably the most important thing I want to take take from all of this. Net worth by itself means absolutely nothing. What do I mean by that? Why do some people have a knack for savings and building up their own net worth? Why do many lottery winners fail miserably keeping up their newfound net worth intact? Why do heirs to seven-figure inheritances many times go broke in a few years or even months? And we'll talk about it in the next segment as Chris raises his hand for two minutes to go. We're going to talk about net worth. We're going to talk about why some people fail miserably when they, they're given this largest out of the blue. And why some people come from nothing are able to build up a sizable net worth, either through their business, their employment, or whatnot. See, this is the crux of the difference between the bottom 50% in our country that are barely paycheck to paycheck and that top 10% that have grown wealthy. Now, some of it's through inheritances and nothing else, but they're able to keep it. And so we need to, we're going to talk about that in the next session. So if you'd like to come in, 
to my office. Before we go to break, I'll just give you my vitals. You can call into the show at 860-464-9490. Or you can, um, after the show, feel free to call 860-415-9614 and leave me a message, and we'll ring you back on Monday or even sooner if it's urgent. You can also email me at d'obrien at ifgrr.com. Or you can go to my website, obrienretire.com, and hit the magic button and put in your information. I'm more than happy to send the Retirement Ten Commandments to you, and we'll start a conversation and perhaps meet and see where you're at. Very, very important. Don't be shy. I don't bite. Love to meet you in the future. We'll be back in a few minutes with the Retirement Life and Investing Show here on 94.9 News Now. Bye-bye. Retirement Life and Investing Show, your retirement, your life, and your money. This is Dennis O'Brien, president of O'Brien Retirement Investment Group. Anyway, we were talking about why do some people do well and then lottery winners and pro athletes blow it all. What, 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 what's going on here? Why, why does this happen? I said net worth by, it, by itself means nothing. What do I mean by that? Why do some people have a knack for savings and building up their net worth? Why do lottery winners fail miserably at keeping their newfound net worth intact? Why do heirs to seven-figure inheritances many times go broke in a few years, even months? The answer is easy, but infuriatingly difficult to achieve. Discipline is learned over time. It cannot be bought, sold, or acquired in a trade. It has to be developed internally. It's a trait learned through failure, hard times, Rough childhoods, failing marriages, bad times, you learn discipline. What do I mean? Many young people and women, young, young men and women, credit their early years serving in the military as a turning point in their lives. I've heard this many, many times in my office. They went off at 18, 19, served, and it gave them that, that, that base, that discipline sense of discipline, goal setting, working with a unit, and other attributes that have to be lived to be learned. Remember that phrase, to be lived to be learned. Can't buy it. You can't acquire it in a trade. You have to live it to be learned. And when you live something, then it is learned. I'm going to give you an example. It really touched me when I heard the story earlier this year. A friend of mine, she lives in Florida. We lived in the same hall in college. Just a wonderful person. Just a great person. Sarcastic. I'm kind of a, a follower of the sarcasm. And she's even more sarcastic than I am. Being from, I think she's from Long Island. So we always got along great and made ourselves each other laugh. So anyway, she had a friend. A friend of mine, she had a son living in Florida who got hooked on opiates when he was savagely attacked attacked, and hurt during a robbery at his apartment in Florida. His head trauma caused great pain 
and was constantly on painkillers, and he, like many others, got hooked through no fault of his own. He got hooked on opiates through no fault of his own. 30-day rehabs did not work. They did not work. Tried it. Did not work. Then his parents thought about it. And they said, you know what? We're going to try something different. Listen to what they did. This is, talk about parents in an act of love. This is amazing to me. The parents then decided to build a small cabin in the Georgia mountains. Now, bear in mind, they lived in Florida. They went up to Georgia. They built a small cabin, bought a little piece of land, bought a cabin. The son said, let me go on my own. Every day, this boy chopped wood, hiked, and sweated the nights as the compounds left his body. The important thing is here, and the whole point of this story is, by his obvious bravery, this kid, I just love him to death, it took him 12 to 15 months to be truly free of the cravings and to be able to start life over. 12 to 15 months. You hear about those 30-day rehab things? That's a money grab. They know beforehand it's not going to work in 30 days. Don't fall for it. It takes 12 to 15 months to get off these things, isolate yourself, and to get off these things. That's just the way it is. Just the way it is. How they figured it out, I do not know. She hasn't shared that with me. The boy said on his hiking, he met a country girl and met her family. And these people were very poor, were very proud, a good family. And he told them what happened, and they helped him, kept him busy, checked in on him, welcomed him welcomed them into their home, and he credits them for their love and respect they gave him while he was going through this. He says, I, he says, I probably could have done it without them, but boy, oh boy, he goes, if I ever win the Powerball, I'll give half them. He's just so grateful to them for reaching out when he needed help. Something about this story just gets me, you know? Kid going off on his own, family building the cabin, his family out there in the mountains helping this boy out. The whole point of the story, though, as it relates to money and growing your net worth, is that behavior and discipline are not easily achieved with anything in life. I always think back, you know, look, look Tom Brady, he looks like he has it all, the quarterback of the Patriots. But I think Tom Brady's discipline was forged by the constant rejection at Michigan. He couldn't not get the starting job. That coach did not like him. Didn't like his physical build. He fell in love with maybe on the outside better athletes who could run faster or jump higher. And he was constantly rejected at Michigan. But when they needed to win a game, who'd they bring in? Tom Brady. When that great athlete couldn't get the job done, who'd they bring in? Tom Brady. And then again in the NFL draft, when he was drafted, I believe it's sixth round or whatever. Six, eight quarterbacks before him were drafted. He said this, he used this as a burning desire to achieve. And you look at the results. He'll be probably the greatest of all time quarterbacks ever played in the NFL. Because he took that rejection and he forged it into a discipline into a discipline he had to internalize. He couldn't buy it. He had to internalize it and learn it. 
Like that young man on the mountain in Georgia, he had to internalize the pain, go through it, and, 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 and lead to a new life. Whether it's addiction, rejection, or whatever, this, this has to be worth. That's why net worth by itself means nothing. Without the skill set, a team around you, and the discipline to handle assets. Many fail at it because they never surrounded themselves with the right people. I believe Brady has always surrounded himself with the right people. That boy on the mountain from Florida, on the Georgia mountain, by luck he had the right parents and found the right people while he was going through it. You can't do things by yourself all the time. You do need help. All of us do need help. You know, and sometimes when you mention something, six months later, someone may, I may meet somebody and somebody say, yeah, I'm looking for this or that. I may match them up. You never, I've had that happen. You just don't know. But if you've been a lifelong saver taught by your parents or mentors at a young age, and you have the huge advantage, you have a huge advantage to set up habits, no matter what, that will serve you well, no matter what obstacles get in your way. No wonder lottery winners and pro athletes fall at, fail at the money game. They have no point of reference, and many know nobody that has the ability to help them. They just don't have anybody in their circle that has any experience with what they're going through. It's just the way it is. <laughs> Granted, some may be like they're not going to listen you know, to anybody. We've all had that friend that fell in love with the wrong person, and we knew it, and everybody else in town knew it, but there was no talking to them. And I know that happens too. But when it, happened, when it comes to money, that skill set has to be earned over time. And so um, it's not a wonder that lottery winners and pro athletes, many of them do fail. Okay. I just want to talk about something personal to me um, right now. As many of you know, my youngest son, Bo, was hit by a car in April. Lo and behold, three weeks later, his company fired him. Yeah. Yeah, they just, just fired him. Said, no, you're not around. See you later. <laughs> it wasn't fair. It wasn't right. And for a 25-year-old, it's, it's devastating because he's just like, what else is going to happen to me? I hit by a car and then my company fires me? So after the initial shock of what they did, he made me so proud because he picked himself up, dusted himself off, started sending out resumes. He's going back to New York tomorrow, seven weeks later, walking a little slower, going up the stairs a little bit slower, but he's walking. And he has three job interviews next week. Three, and that's just starting out. And all the jobs, get this, are for fifteen to twenty thousand dollars more than he was making. I love it. I love it. I told him I admired him so much for his ability to bounce back from adversity. He says it's because of the lessons we have taught him and his brothers. Wow, higher well, compliment a kid cannot pay you. So you know. Uh, we all want resilient children. Bad things are going to happen to them. You, know, you, you try to help them as much as you can, but ultimately it's up to them, up to them, to say, okay, uh, let's go. Enough is enough. Let's go on. And 
I think he, I think the lessons he's learning from this are going to stay with him the rest of his life. Absolutely, the rest of his life. So, good financial habits are learned, and these this attempt and this to help you and your families learn from the hard lessons of financial success in a more pain-free way. We've all made mistakes, but the smart ones learn learn from it and change their strategy. A client reached out this week and told me his buddy was going to start buying indexes. What did I think? <laughs> uh, th- that's a very interesting question because he didn't know he doesn't even know what indexes are, and I don't blame him because if you're not in the industry, index sounds like uh, I don't know card index in a library. Who who knows what indexes are? So unless you're in the industry, I'll talk about what I said to him um, and my response to him. But his buddy was going to go buy indexes. So we'll get back in the next segment and we'll talk about that a little bit. But if you'd like to reach out to me anytime on the show today is 860-464-9490. If you'd like to reach me after the show, my number is 860-415-9614. If you'd like a review of your assets versus liabilities and your net worth and where you're at and your ages and your responsibilities, and go through all those uh, things that you need help with, please uh, reach out. I work with a lot of pre-retirees. Uh, that's a fancy term the industry has for people that are probably going to retire in the next three to five years. So they call them pre-retirees. Cute, huh? But anyway, reach out. And uh, if you'd like to uh, email me, I'm at dobryan at ifgrr.com to make an appointment. We'll be back in a few minutes with the Retirement Life and Investing Show. Thanks. Dennis O'Brien with the Retirement Life and Investment Show. Hope everybody's doing well. It's your retirement, your life, your money. In any case, we're getting back to a client reached out this week and told me his buddy was going to buy, invest in some indexes. And what did I think? And indexes. Indexes is a, a term they use. They use the term ETFs. You can buy an index on any, almost anything. So if you bought indexes on China stocks and they went down 30% last year because of this tariff thing, that's an index. You can buy index on U.S. Treasuries, one to three year, three to seven year. You can literally buy an index on anything. So saying you're going to buy an index is saying um, it's it, there are thousands of them. So I don't know what his buddy has in mind. But my advice back to, to my client was, he better know what he's doing. <laughs> That's all I said. I said he better know what he's doing because some of them are super safe, but some of them, are, some of them like uh, in in Asia, they can swing ten percent in a week, twenty percent in a week. They can really swing around, and you can buy indexes on anything. So be very, very, very careful. It's a really general statement. I don't know if his buddy knows what he's doing. 
Maybe he's somebody's whispering in his ear, but be, please be very, very, very careful with that sort of thing and everything else. So I just told him he better know what he's doing. Imagine if they ever developed indexes on cryptocurrencies. <laughs> we, could, we could see 40% swings in the week. I mean, cryptocurrencies are like vapor. You know, they run way up and then they crash 90%. And you know they want to come out with indexes on this stuff. You know, that's better get the drama mean because you will get motion sickness. It will be nuts. So just be aware of that and stuff like that. Another prospect, he came in the office, uh, fairly decent net worth, and he has some joint money with the wife, but he has he has he wants to set up two accounts or he wanted to keep the money separate because the money that he was going to contribute and add to initially he wanted much more of a higher risk profile. But the the money, the money, the wife, the wife's idea is let's take that money out of the bank and go more conservative with a income orientation with that money. And he was a little confused about how he could do this and keep track of everything. And I've run across this before. Most things in 39 years you've seen before. So I always get excited when I haven't seen something before because I'm like, all right, let's research it. So I told him in the past that it's come up four or five times, uh, his money that he wants to contribute heavily every month, but they want to keep it in joint name in case something happened to either one of them, they have immediate, immediate access to it, put his name first on the account that's more risky, and they can keep track of that. And then on her account, that would be more bank money coming in to, for income portfolio to pick up the yield on, on the bank money. Be more conservative, we'll put her name first on that account. So it's it's a it's it sounds so simple, but um, it it it's it works well and the clients have liked it. Other than being a little more paperwork, I think they will like the idea and I'm hoping to hear back soon. There's usually an answer. There's usually an answer if you think about it long enough. I've learned through the years. I've used this strategy with couples a few times over the years and it's worked great. Especially when she when they come in and she says that's my account. And he rolls his eyes. The husband will roll his eyes. But they are able to keep track, and I think that's that's a good thing. So uh, and whatnot. And I want to thank everyone for the referrals. By the way, I've been getting quite a few lately. Your friends and families are always welcome to contact me. Just give me a heads up when you think they might call, and give uh, and give me a phone number if anything. I won't call them if you tell me not to. But uh, I get so many sales pitches and charitable calls on my business line that um, it's sometimes I'll just answer the phone and go. Hello, Dennis O'Brien, because <laughs> half the time it's a masking call, grabbing a local number and pretending it's it's a local person, and what a pain in the butt. But in any case, I still answer it, and when they fool me, they fool me. But uh, that's okay. That's just part of part of doing business in 2019, right, Chris? It's just it's just part of the game, you know. So, uh, have any of you out there heard of Katrina Lake? It's not a lake. On a map, it's actually the name of a young lady in her mid-30s. Has two children, husband in the investment business. Katrina is a very, very interesting person. And if I was all of you, I would follow her career. Because at the age of 35, she's become the youngest woman, I think a couple of years ago it might be now, to go public with a company and has become a self-made billionaire. And you say, how did Katrina become a billionaire 
Well, Katrina was born to a teacher and a physician in 1983. She grew up in Minnesota and San Francisco. She initially wanted to become a doctor before she became an entrepreneur. She began the pre-med courses, but became very interested in economics and business. She described herself as risk-adverse, and she received her bachelor's from Stanford, and then she got completed her MBA at Harvard Business. She worked for a couple of companies, uh, management consultants. Many times they come out of this MBA program at Harvard and they become management consultants. Her sister worked as a clothing buyer and would send outfits to Lake. She described her fashion sense as classic with a twist. Well, she also decided she wanted to go out and start a company. And the company's name is called Stitch Fitch. And I'm not recommending it. I'm just telling you about it because it's young, risky, and whatnot. But... It's part of what Katrina started. Stitch Fix, fix uh, you customers of Stitch Fix can go online and order five of any items. Selected them by a professional stylist as one-off or scheduled intervals. And such subsequently given three days to choose which items they want to keep. So they'll send them all out to you, and it's no big deal to send all five back or send two back and keep the difference. They use an algorithm to help you. Uh, with an arsenal of data to deliver the clothing that they think w- will work for you in terms of fit and style and, w- and coordination. She combined data science with marketing to grow the business. In 2012, she was introduced to Netflix VP of data science and engineering, Eric Coulson, who initially dismissed the business model as whimsical. Within months, joined the company's chief algorithms officer. In, t- in 2016-17, Stitch Fix... The, whims- the whimsical did over $700 million in sales. That's some whimsy, huh? Lake was listed in 2016 Fortune Magazine, 40 Under 40. She's the only woman to take an Internet company public in 2017. She, com- she commented that she had to be more efficient with her finances, you know, the company's finances, as she raised a fraction of the cash of most venture capital companies. So she... Uh, She's been always been very, very careful, risk-adverse, built the thing up the right way. She doesn't go for 100% growth. She's been try- I've been watching kind of steady 20 25% growth. I'm not recommending the stock to you, but this person is clearly a top 5% Hall of Fame entrepreneur type of person that you should watch. Because I'll guarantee you this is not the only business she's going to start or be involved in. Some people are just genetically predisposed to building companies. And Katrina Lake, I believe, is one of them. This type of talent is, uh, is so fun to see. Isn't America great? Absolutely amazing. Come up with an idea, get some funding, builds it up, hires the right people, has an interesting idea. And you notice the, the millennial woman? Bricks and mortar, stores. That's why you go to these malls now. Not half the stores, maybe a third of the stores or a quarter of the stores are empty. They're very comfortable with going and using technology. A lot of the millennials, when they want a mortgage, they'll go click, click, click. And if they don't have a mortgage within, you know, a couple minutes, they don't understand what the problem is. They have no problem using technology to speed up things that used to take us old folks much longer time. So as, as I see these ideas, and, and this, it has huge implications out there, the efficiency, who delivers the stuff? Will it be the post office? Will it be, will Amazon have their own delivery and they'll use the Amazon drones to do it? These, and the 5G networks that are coming, 
Will that speed up the process? Will you basically be able to they'll measure you with lasers in the house? Well, this stuff is coming. The trucks that drive the goods to you, will they be will they be run by robots? This is all coming. I don't know how long, but it is coming. The rumor is Amazon in the warehouses are starting to bring in a lot of robots. So you can expect employment pressure. That's why we have no inflation, despite all the fears of the Federal Reserve. In any case, if you'd like a review, you want to come in, review your assets and liabilities, or have me look, take a second look, second opinion on your portfolios, please give me a ring at 860-415-9614 after the show. I'm more than happy to sit down and talk with you because you never know. Maybe you're doing something. I've looked at portfolios and knew in 30 seconds the person running it didn't know what they were doing. So if you're one of those that suspect that, please reach out and let me know in any case. So thanks for listening to Retirement Life and Investing Show. We'll be back in a few minutes. Thanks. To retirement life and investing show, and I had to grab the mic and pull it over because I was caught by surprise by the quick break here. Hope everybody's doing well. And uh, after we talked about Katrina Lake, which is not a lake on your map, but a very, very talented entrepreneur who's built a billion dollar business, uh, go look her up and uh, look at her company. And uh, I imagine most 95% of her customers are ladies, but it uh, doesn't stop uh, anybody else from. Uh, taking a look at it. Uh, this week, I went to a retirement board meeting, local town. I'm on the retirement board. We have a pension of $120 million. And we have one of those big money managers who comes out of town in a fancy $2,500 suit and tells us, you know, looks into the crystal ball and tells us what's going to happen and everything else. I'm rolling my eyes right now. Anyway, he, uh, he said that uh, we should buy more foreign stocks. And since 2009, foreign stocks have lagged the U.S. by a huge amount. So U.S. stocks since 2009 have, have tripled for the most part. And I think uh, foreign stocks have only gone up, you know, 80%, which is a huge spread. I don't, you know, I, I'm, I don't think that's ever happened in history. I don't know. But uh, he was recommending. And uh, I just thought to myself, you know, at the meeting, I, I said it out loud. I said, I think we should hold off because something dramatic is very happening overseas. It's happening in this country, too. The, the birth rates are falling. And some of these developing countries, they've not, they're not even growing. They're shrinking because the birth rates have fallen off so much. And, uh, you know, this is, this is going to hurt growth for many years to come um, overseas. And so I, I really, really be very cautious about investing over there. I'm, I know I'm generalizing for the most part, but um, something to think about. The U.S. birth rate is also falling dramatically in the last 30 years. As young couples are getting married later and later and starting families later, too. This is very bad for growth because uh, our economy is based on growth, which means more babies. Our economic system needs babies in order to grow. 
So the markets are stagnant right now. All the new money, you know, I'm, I'm starting to emphasize much more income coming in and current income. Because if this slowdown and the Fed doesn't act very quickly to cut rates the way they should have already, they should have not had the October increase and the December increase. And now they're going to have to reverse those two increases and maybe pile on one or two more because they overdid it. And if they don't act quickly here, um, you know, this, is the, this slowdown is, is real. You have to be aware of it. You know, Trump has unleashed a lot of entrepreneurship activity. Some of public traded companies like Katrina Lakes has grown dramatically. And we're the best story in the world right now. But... Oh, we need the Federal Reserve. Come on, guys. Let's go. Let's start cutting these rates. Get the get the yield curve positive. You want a positive yield curve where short rates pay a lot less than the long rates. Right now, that's not the case. The short rates are paying more than the long rates. That tells you slow down, slow down, slow down. So come on, guys. Get on. The, get off the the schneid here and get going because uh, I think I think mortgage I think mortgage rates, which is the key rate. I think we're going through three percent into the twos. That's my opinion, but I think the Fed overdid it. Uh, Biden entering the race made the Chinese much more uh, stubborn because they think you know they're going to try to wait for him to see if he gets elected, and I think it's created this this thing going on. Europe is slowing down dramatically. Europe depends on China half their growth in the last ten years. Think about that. Europe dependence on China for growth is half of all their growth in the last 10 years. With China slowing down, um, it's really, really going to hurt Europe too. And so their interest rates are going to go negative. So I think it's going to be very, very important for everybody out there that has money in the bank and expecting rates to go up and bail them out. I think you have to change your strategy there. Okay? I think it's very, very important. I think we could see a housing boom, though, here in southeastern Connecticut Connecticut because, number one, I think mortgage rates are going to come down. But really, engineers are being hired by the thousands by electric boat. It's creating demand for homes. And and another story I don't think is fully understood here is I think people from New York, New Jersey, Westchester County, and Long Island who have taxes triple R's in some cases are going to move to this area to escape their even worse tax situation regionally. Now, some of them may move to Florida, New Hampshire, I get it. But a lot of them want to stay close because grandchildren, family, and everything else. And the natural beauty of this area. And the relatively low prices. Because you have to remember, Connecticut, with the tax increases in 2011, 2015, and now in 2019, everybody else in the country went up 30% in their housing prices since 2012. And we have flatlined. We haven't gone up at all. So we're relatively very, very cheap. And if you don't believe me, go on Zillow and look at Charlotte. Look at Charlotte, South Carolina. Look at the prices. OMG. They're higher than us. Not way higher, but a lot higher, I think, for, for what you get. And a friend of mine moved down there and sent me the info. I went, oh, my God, we're cheap. And he goes, imagine how cheap you are compared to Long Island and Westchester County and those areas. And I said, yeah, I think you're right. So I think we're going to have a little housing boom in the area here. Um, and so just be aware, closer to the shore, you know, probably a little more. But I just think under $500,000, the realtors are complaining they don't have any listings. 
They need more listings. When's the last time you heard that? So, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a good thing. So uh, we'll see what happens. But um, I, have de- I have decided when I was driving through town today, I have decided to declare this Bank Freedom Day. <laughs> today, you can declare yourself free from low or no rates on your savings. You can declare yourself free and earn more in an income portfolio. You can declare yourself independent of bank, not paying on the deposits at all. I declare this, Bank Freedom Day. Here, here. <laughs> Chris is laughing over there. I get a, I gets a kick out of me, I think. Like that one? I thought of it. I was passing some branches on the way here. Hey, don't forget the Taste the Mystic's going on at Old Mystic Village today. So uh, out in the parking lot there between the, the aquarium and... Um, Go fish, that big parking lot there. They have bands and food. and I like going because I see people from all time, you know, 30 years, last past 30 years, I've lived here. I see people from all ports. That somehow everybody shows up there, and uh, it's great fun to see. And, uh, you know, if you see me, uh, don't be shy. You walk up and say hi. Um, I'm amazed by uh, how many people actually listen to the show. I, I'm... Uh, I wish I wish somehow we could have a, like a count, you know, what's going on, but um, I'd probably get much more outrageous <laughs> to raise my raise my count, you know. I mean, it'd be kind of funny. So the good news is, you know, we're at full on, we're at full employment in this country. We don't really have any inflation growth, and China is trying to stimulus, and that should help a little bit. And hopefully, they come to the table and have an agreement. The Federal, sh- the Federal Reserve is still tightening, but not as much as they were. They need to loosen. They need to turn it around and get going on it. So uh, hopefully, they'll, uh, hopefully they'll help and we'll, we'll get stock prices to grind ever higher. We don't, we'll see. I never, ever, ever underestimate the Federal Reserve's uh, ability to screw things up. and You should not either. Uh, the bad news, U.S. stocks were a little expensive. The Treasury curve is still close to inversion, so you got to be aware of that slowdown here. And the unresolved trade tensions, obviously, between China and the U.S. are certainly a negative. Corporate supply chains will be realigned, although low-cost countries may benefit as production of low-margin goods and moved out of China. Uh, Inflation pressures could rise. I don't think, I really, really don't think that's a concern at this point. If you're noticing when you go to the gas station, uh, we're under $3 for regular. Imagine if we didn't have gas taxes. Well, the tolls will take care of the gas taxes. Oh, no, they're not going to lower the t- gas taxes for the tolls. So, uh, um, oh, well. Anyway, I expect a special session to be uh, called. They'll try to ram it through real quick in a day or two. And that'll probably happen in June or July. And so just be aware of that. Uh, if you're for tolls, I have many buddies says, I really think we need more tolls. I really haven't met anybody that's told me that. So if you think you have a good argument for tolls, uh, please let me know. But uh, I, I just think we're, um, we, need to, um, we need to become more competitive. This new Family Leave Act with the 1% payroll tax is going to be a nightmare. I predict it'll go broke in about five years. Because they said, family leave or any equivalent of family. Well, that opens the door to, <laughs> it's a sunny day. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go broke. They're going to keep raising it. 
and make the state more uncompetitive to businesses. I don't want to be negative. I'm not telling you to leave the state or any of that because we do have a lot going on here. We are between Boston and New York. We have a lot of positives, beautiful area, and uh, I just wish I just wish there wasn't one click running everything. I wish we had more open government where everybody had a say, but, you know, pie in the sky, maybe, I don't know. I really don't. But in any case, retirement, retirement for everyone here should include your own state, don't you think? It just shouldn't be automatically presumed you're going to move out of state. Be nice. Think of all those tens, hundreds of thousands of people who had stayed, stayed in the state and hadn't left. Think, think about the wealth, the, the job starts, the amount of cars that would have been sold, um, the housing that would have been bought. Uh, but instead they left and they moved to, say, Florida. And Florida, you can go down to Florida two years ago and you go back in that same neighborhood in, in Florida two years ago, took you 10-minute drive, is now a 40-minute drive. They've, they've just exploded with growth. Florida is absolutely exploded with growth. And, it's, and we've, we've funded it. New York, New Jersey, Illinois, they've all funded this growth that Florida's having. It's absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. I had a buddy of mine in 09. He wanted to buy a house, uh, and, he's, and he bought one in Florida. And, uh, you know, the thing is, I don't know, tripled. But it's done in Connecticut. He says, you, you should have you know, you moved to Florida in 09. I said, yeah, but I love where I live, and I love the town, and, and I, I, I still have faith we'll turn it around eventually. Well, we need your, you millennials. You need you millennials to vote to uh, get things reasonable back here in the state again. Anyway, thanks for listening to the Retirement Life Investing Show here on 94.9. We'll be back next week, and I hope you guys have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Take care. Bye-bye.